Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Sean Bearstow, the one that we were promised, is now here. And now, it's game on in this season. It's game on for VCU being a serious title contender. Welcome to Rams Rewind, live here in the good, the bad, and the ugly group. If you like what you hear and you want to help us out, there is a link to the PayPal for us in the description on Podbean and your other podcast platforms. And we want to thank you for all the support you've been giving us all year, all the support you gave us last year. And and yes, Eric Slater, much needed toughness because the, the announcer was right in the first half. They weren't the tougher team, and it was infuriating, and it drove me absolutely bonkers and everybody else in here bonkers, but they were the tougher team in the second half, and they made the plays that they needed to make at times difficult, but we've got to start with Sean Barristow's incredible performance, 14 points, 12 assists, makes two big free throws at the end. Only one turnover after a really bad half where somehow he only was credited with two turnovers. Should have been a lot more than that, in my opinion. Um, Bruce Stevenson, I'm not sure I agree with that about Lawal playing more because one of the reasons we didn't pull away is we stopped going into the paint and getting pu- and, and getting the points there that we that we were getting early in the game. VCU did win that battle 30-18. to 18. But to me, Furman, they couldn't stop Furman most of the day. And again, I'm going to keep saying it. There has to be times where we see Furman and the wall together. Um, oh, Bradley Heath, I am not sure what happened. But the way when they showed the replay after the timeout with Zeb, it looked to me like back spasms. Now, I don't know what it is, but they said later that when he came back to the bench, that he's definitely not coming in and it's some kind of a back injury. I'm hoping it's back spasms because while that can be a problematic injury all year, it's not the end of it. Well, Jason Hutto, I, I don't always agree about the fact that we lose these games that are close or tied near the end. It was a bit of a heart attack because the thing that's frustrating about this game is that every time it looked like they were about to make the break, they would, they would screw something up. Uh, Brickus would get loose and make a shot, that kind of thing. Um, and that was, that was infuriating. Uh, but let's give this team some credit. Uh, that was not a good first half by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they let, they let Brickus get going, but they let everybody else get growing because Brantley didn't make anything pretty much the whole game. They got out rebounded. They were, uh, I think it was minus three at halftime in the rebounds. The problem with the live scoring LaSalle doesn't use is that they don't split it by halves. 
And it took until really the second half of the second half before they finally made some made some uh, made got some rebounds and started to do stuff on the rebounding side. Uh, turnovers was part of it, Bruce. We turned it over a lot, fifteen times, and and some of those turnovers. I mean, you know, just I I feel like it, I know I sound like a broken record, but doggone it. When you're moving, when you you've got to calm down in your head because you're because it's so easy, and I know this because I'm the same way, especially when I'm talking and I'm talking a lot. Your brain goes too f- fast for your body. It happens all the time with this team, and they just have to calm themselves. That's all they really need to do. Yes, Chris Conway Bearstow, after kind of not a great first half. You know, he he had really that last five, six minutes of the half, he really struggled, made a lot of poor decisions. And let's see if this shot goes in. No, nope. VCU women by 10 at the half, by the way. VCU women, just an update on them, 24-14 at halftime. So VCU women struggling from the field, but Loyola Chicago is shooting 29% from the field. So VCU up, up to their usual standards right now, doing real nice uh, out there in Chicago. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing, Jason Hutto. The finishing at the rim. How many times have we talked about it? How many times have everybody in this group been frustrated by it? You saw it again. So many missed layups. Even the announcer said it. He's like, Bell, and he called out Bell and um, and somebody else and said, man, if they just made their layups, VCU would be comfortably winning this game. That is part of those opportunities. You know, Toby and Fats Phillips miscommunicating on that break. You know, Toby's mad at Fats, but Tony, Toby's got to be thinking, maybe I'm going to get this ball. I need to be ready. It wasn't a good pass by Fats Phillips on the break. No question about that. But he's got the right idea. He's going, drawing the defense, and he wants to pass you this ball so you can dunk it. And it doesn't happen. And it's just, you know, we're sitting there going, what in the world? And that's why this game wasn't the blowout it should have been, because it should have been. I mean, it's funny, for the second straight game, the final score is the biggest lead that uh, that VCU has. Um, I think I think in, in, a, in one respect, you're right, Eric Slater, we were fortunate to be down three. And look, some of the injury luck that we've had kind of kind of showed itself again. We were fortunate that Anwar Gill didn't play today because that could have made a huge difference in, in their game, and it definitely made a huge difference to, to Brantley. I mean, he was getting no space, and they put the stop on him. Um, that's, that, that BS three-point opportunity that he blew by missing the free throw, he's two for 15. Everybody did a great job on him. Uh, and that's the thing. You, again, it's hidden in the numbers. You don't see it, but that's Bell. That's that's at times Shulga, Jackson, Nelson. They all they all put the clamps on on Khalil Brantley today. And Khalil Brantley is you know a borderline all conference performer. You know somebody said it that LaSalle's not good. <laughs> Very funny, Bradley Heath. Um, that LaSalle's not good. They are. They are not a really good team, but they're not your typical sad sack, terrible pillow fight team either. 
They are capable of jumping up and biting you on the behind because they have those two good guards. And at least today, one of them doesn't play well, but they're getting, you know, Yosis was a problem for us. He's five for seven. You know, Zan had nine rebounds and made some baskets early before he started missing. You know, Marrero had one of their threes, uh, and that was a problem. Shepard, uh, Shepard went to the – that's the other thing. LaSalle was missing all them free throws the other day. Shepard's six for six, and they're 15 and 19, and that's the other thing. VCU could have lost this damn game because of foul shots. They could have lost this game because of foul shots. They, they were eight for 10 in the first half, fine. They were 11 of 18 in the second half. Furman, who'd been on so good on foul shots, two for four. Lawal one for four. And guys, you don't expect to miss, miss them, but in the end, you can't argue with seven out of eight for Shulga, even if that lowers his free throw percentage. And you can't argue with five out of six for Bearstow, and Bearstow makes the two big ones to pretty much seal the game. Well, uh, Bruce Stevenson, we, we are the road warriors. We're the, this is 10 consecutive road wins. In conference play, we are the road warriors. And that's impressive that this team has been willing to take that on because it's a completely different roster for the most part. But they, you know, after a first half where mentally I wasn't sure they were where they're at, their mentality in the second half was so much better. And Chris Conway, haven't we been making that point that they've got to practice, that they have to practice layups? I've seen, I've seen people do practice where somebody's going for a layup and somebody's got a pad like what you see in football or even what you see in like boxing and MMA where people will kick the pad stuff and they'll put the pad on somebody and, and you know, basically put contact on them like you'd see in a game and they have to practice their layups. They've got to do something like that, Chris Conway. They absolutely do because it's a joke now. You can't miss this many damn shots inside of four and five feet and be the team you want to be. Because honestly, that's why this game wasn't a blowout. That's why Mason wasn't a blowout. And because honestly, against Mason, you could argue the same thing. If they could have just made those, we have a much comfortable last four, four minutes, more four minutes than we did before. And the same thing here. And look, they get 71. They shoot over 50% in the second half. They shoot almost 50% from three. And here's the other thing I want to praise this team for. And this is this is both coaching and the players. What were we frustrated with early in the season? Taking way too many threes out of their percentage of shots. Well, guess what? They took 48 shots today. Only 13 of them are three-pointers. And that, I'm sorry, that's what I want. That may not be what Ryan Odom wants. That's what I want. And look at the results, 6 of 13 from behind the arc, nearly 50%, 23 for 48, 48 almost 48%, nearly nearly 50% there. And, and Daniel Carter, we could be a broken record on that too. Uh, Lowell got two more of those fouls where he's just standing there and he gets a foul and it's bullcrap. Um, Furman should have had a big day, but there's my criticism there's my biggest criticism of the second half is we weren't looking for Furman and I don't understand why, because they couldn't stop him. They could not stop them and stop him. And he should have had a huge day. He should have had a huge day and he didn't. And again, some of that, they played the wall in crunch time and we all had the big dunks. Fortunately, he had two missed foul shots too. 
Uh, and that and that and that certainly worked. But I want Furman. I don't mind having Furman in there. And again, they should play there. There are plenty of times where they can play both of them. Today was one of those days. There may be some times against certain power forwards that they shouldn't, but that time they wanted to. Yeah, and Kawani had some big threes. Uh, he gave away some bad fouls and made some bad plays. But yeah, Kawani, Kawani, this is some performance. Five or six from the field, all three threes made them. So that's a hell of a job. But again, taking the right shots. You know, he had a couple of bad plays. The one where he turned it over, which should have been a travel, which I actually would have preferred because it would have been a dead ball turnover. And there was a couple other times where they had the dribble death, and I was going mad about that in the comment thread, in the game thread. And I don't like seeing that. But this was this was a much better offensive performance, but it was under control. And and look, when you got when you got Bearstow, who is funny, they list as a guard, but he's a point forward. We all know it. He's getting 12 assists, and that's the thing. This is the other way you know that VCU's doing the right things. LaSalle, they only had the eight turnovers. They only had nine assists on 22 made baskets. So that is all individual stuff. VCU, 23 made baskets, 17 assists. That's what you want. That is how you want it. That is the way to play offense. And you know what? Kawani, two of those threes, Eric Slater for Kawani, were assisted. And then you're talking about, I mean, how many of Furman, I think, I think between Furman and the wall, I think they must have been responsible for about nine assists from Barristow. I mean, that, it was incredible the way he was feeding them, which is why I'm mad that they didn't keep going to that, especially with Furman, because they couldn't deal with it, LaSalle. Uh, and, and that's exactly right, Carlos Diaz. What, here's what Barristow didn't do for the first time. He didn't drive himself into blind alleys for the most part. You saw one bad fadeaway jumper. That was it. He was getting to the rim and finishing, and so they had to worry about that. But he was driving into a place where he still had the space to operate, and he could see the guys cutting. But here's the key. The biggest reason Bearstow could make those passes is people are moving without the basketball. If you are just standing there and you're not cutting to the basket, that's not there. And there must have been four or five of those today between Furman and Toby. So that's, that is how that happens. And that's why he had, uh, I, that's why he had 12 assists today. And it's just tremendous job by him. Yes. And he can find those angles a little bit like the way Ace used to, but you've got to move without the basketball to create those angles and to create those opportunities. And he did that. And no, Deke Carlos, I will never enjoy a, a bear stow fadeaway unless it goes in. But as far as I can remember, he only had one of those today. Yeah, Joe struggled, John O'Neill. I can't, I can't lie. It's just not been there. Joe, Joe zigged when he should have zagged almost all day. Uh, the one good thing is he did get to the foul line twice and made three out of four. You know, we'll, we'll always take that. Uh, but Joe was struggling today. And Joe's got to understand he is a great scorer. But people know the book on him. And he's got to understand, hey, Chris Conway, good to see you. Thank you as always. Joe Bamisil is going to have to understand. People know the book on him. So you've got to be willing to give it up. You're going to have to be willing to give it up. And, again, he's got the passing ability. I've seen him do it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not worried about Joe Bamisil long term. But today was not good because just a lot of wrong decisions there. 
Yeah, Nelson struggled for the most part, but look at what happens at the end. You know, they get the big three, and then Nelson, after Brickus has busted his rear end a few times today, Nelson pokes that ball away, gets a steal. Again, one and and, and that too, you know, Nelson tweaked his ankle and had to sit. You know, Nelson's had a tough game. He hasn't scored. You know, he's had a tough defensive assignment with Brickus. He's gotten fouls called on him, three turnovers. But the thing about Jason Nelson, and this is what we're talking about, you know, the championship mentality, winning mentality, not sulking and not getting down because things aren't going your way, working hard and finding another way to contribute. And Nelson makes that big play on the sideline after the big three from Kawani. Fantastic. Um, and I, and I just, that's why I love Jason Nelson. You know, he made some mistakes today. He got a couple of foul calls I thought were baloney and he got, he got it put on his head a few times. I mean, Brickus, Brickus hit two or three fadeaways on him where there was just simply nothing he could do. He's contesting the shot. He's got a hand in his face and the guy makes him. And it's just like, you know, that's Jamar Brickus. The guy is probably going to be an all conference player or he's going to be very close to it. So Nelson will have better days. No question about it. But again, even in a day that's not his day, he finds a way to make a big play at the end that's absolutely huge for VCU. So that's where you tip your cap to him big time. That's why you love the kid. And that's why you're going to stick with him even through the bad times because very rarely is he going to dog it out there. Very rarely. We've had a lot of frustrations with energy and lack of effort, especially on the defensive end. But one guy we've never had to say that about is Jason Nelson. And that is, that's why, that's why even on a day like today, you know, we're, we're not going to be tough on him because we know he's still going to make, he, we still know he's going to make a play for us here or there because he's not going to get down on himself. Bruce, well, let's remember something. We go deeper, but then we had Zeb get hurt and we had Nelson get hurt. So we didn't get to play as much, we didn't get to play our players as much as we would have liked to. And the other thing is, when you miss free throws, when you turn the ball over, and VCU did a lot of those, that's how you let a team like LaSalle hang in. Because otherwise than that, uh, you know, VCU pulls away in this game. No question about it. You know, 19 to 28 from the foul line, you know, not 11 of 18 the second half. And, and I mean, just, you know, some bad misses there. And then all the missed layups. And look, LaSalle, because they rebounded so well, even though at the end – VCU actually wins rebounds by two, and they actually got some offensive rebounds near the end of the game that really helped them. You know, freaking LaSalle, thanks to the turnovers and the rebounding, they got 17 more shots at the basket. 17! I mean, golly, Moses. It's back to the future. There were some damn games. You, Everybody in this group can remember some dadgum games that this team has had where that kind of nonsense has happened before. 17 more shots, and yet, and remember, 89, 89 to LaSalle and 84 to George Washington. I mean, excuse me, 89 to St. Bonaventure, 84 to George Washington. LaSalle shoots 33.8%. They shoot 26% from three, and, remember, and they missed 10 threes in a row and then made their last two. Both of those was dead gum brickus, of course. But look, for all of you folks, that thought that the though for 15 against Mason was a fluke. It's not a fluke. When this team is locked in defensively, 
they can do that. We're now talking about six for 38 in the last two games from three. And remember, I looked at the three-point chart in the NCAA before they put the 0 for 15 in. And they moved all the way from 174th, which would be almost smack dab middle of the pack, into the top 100. They're going to move up again in all likelihood with that performance. And yes, John O'Neill, some winnable games are coming up. Uh, a lot of those extra shots, a lot of those extra chances were in the first half, uh, Carlos Diaz. Uh, they had 11 more shots in the first half. So again, not as bad in the second half. You know, there was only 30 to 24 because in the second half, they rebounded better. In fact, I'm pretty sure VCU won the rebounds, but of course I don't have a first half box because unfortunately LaSalle doesn't use the, they use the sidearm stats instead of the stats that we use and that thankfully Loyola of Chicago uses so I can track VCU women. Um, great job, you know, and so their stats aren't as good. You can't split the box up. Uh, Gene Cox, and you're right, they have. the hard, But the hard, here's why the hard hedge has worked. Because unlike in recent past, this team can absolutely recover. And the play I'm thinking of in particular is Deshaun Shepard. You know, they go for that hard hedge. It's skipped across. He fakes the three and drives. And I think it, I think it's it's either Kawani or Lawal gets back and bother and blocks that shot. That was incredible. Circle that play because it was a huge play in the game. There was the other one where they got a second chance, and Nelson is all over Brickus, and somehow that shot rims around and goes out. <laughs> Thank goodness because after that game against GW, where Bama Sills three, where he was fouled, somehow didn't go in. We were due something like that. We were due getting some luck with the rims on the road after we couldn't get any luck with the rims at home uh, while other teams were. Boy, VCU's playing some great defense right now. And and it's clearly in Loyola Chicago's mind. Uh, VCU women's still up 10. So, yes, let's get back to what John O'Neill said. Winnable games coming up, you betcha. Winnable games coming up. We said... Go here and win and win convincingly. They didn't do that. That's infuriating. But two and two now. You're coming home. You got St. Louis and Loyola Chicago. Got to win them. We talked about that before. We said there's an opportunity to win four games in a row, get to four and two. The next two after that is a tough two-step. It's uh, three days apart at Davidson at St. Bonaventure. That's a tough one after that, uh, Jason Hutto. But first things first. Let's deal with these two games at home. Have got to reclaim home court. No more of this nonsense that we've had losing these games at home. It's time to go home and win and win convincingly against the Billikens who are struggling, even though you know they've got better because of the court ruling because they got Azuero. And he, had, he, was, and, he and Jimerson – had a whale of a second half and that ludicrous comeback against St. Joe's. And remember, that's the other thing. St. St. Louis might not be any good, but just like LaSalle could have jumped up and bit us on the rear end today, St. Louis can do the same if we don't come into that game and really respect them and get after them on that. Uh, and then, of course, it, it's uh, it's Loyola Chicago, and they're you know they're 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 capable as well. They've come up with some performances, so got to do that. Got to win those two. 
Because if you can get to four and two heading into those two games on the road, then you can start doing some business. And look, now that we've seen the real Sean Barristow, there is reasons to feel really optimistic because this is what I felt like we were going to get. A guy that is at his size and is technically a power forward, but he is capable of just controlling the game out front, running your offense. You know, you just got to credit him. And and now you're seeing, and that's the other thing, maybe it's a matter of it was going to take time to integrate, but you're starting to see the other t- players from VCU anticipate what Barristow's thinking, and so they're making the right cut, and that's how you get what you get today with a dozen assists. I mean, Barristow was just – they were moving the chess pieces around the board on offense so beautiful, and that's why 13-24 in the second half. 13 to 24 in the second half. You know, that was it was tremendous. And a lot of them, a lot of them are open looks or dunks or layups. You know, how many really tough shots uh did did VCU make? Kawani's three, where Bruce Stevenson rightly said it should have been a foul, should have been a four-point play chance, and they didn't call it. And I'm trying to think in terms of contested shots outside of that, I really can't think of any. It's because VCU was doing such a great job on offense. They, and that's what you're supposed to do. You don't want to have to rely on making a bunch of ridiculous shots because it's not going to last. It's not going to last. You want to be giving your guys open looks for three, open looks at the ba- at the basket. And I'll agree with that too, John O'Neill. He's not the best defender, but he's done a lot better job. You know, there's been a, there was a couple breakdowns today, many of them with with Brickus out front, and and there was a few other ones. You know, Shepard Shepard. Did, did a number on him a couple times and got to the foul line. But again, we're seeing a lot better uh, from VCU in that regard. And and you know what? Outside of those couple possessions where it was dribble, 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 and I was getting angry, Odom would have had to have been very happy with the offense in the second half because there weren't they weren't giving away many possessions. The one or two times they did a quick trigger three, it actually went in, but you didn't see a lot of that. Uh, Kawani had one, Shulga had one, but again, the shot selection was good. The decision making, by and large, was very good. And all, I mean, if it just if they just made the dead gum free throws like they're supposed to, we could have just been kicking back and relaxing in the last four minutes. That and the layups, and of course, again, you know, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, and 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 I'll say something else, Carlos Diaz. They rebounded the ball better in the second half. Yeah, Odom was. Odom had to have been hot at halftime because the efforts just the efforts just weren't there and they were just not concentrating at key moments and it was costing them way better in the second half. Way better in the second half. Three bid league, it's going to be tough, Jason Hutto, because two of the other teams that have had pretty good non-conferences have stubbed their toe in the league. St. Joe's has stubbed its toe real badly. Um, St. Bonaventure, you know, scored fifty-four flipping points at Richmond, but. UMass might be getting itself into that conversation. You know, maybe if George Mason turns it around after losing to VCU, they can get themselves in that conversation. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility of three-bid league. It's a lot tougher. Yes, Dayton is a six in the Lenardi bracket, and and brother, they're going up. They are going up um, right now. I mean, I don't know how many of you watched that last night. I watched a fair chunk of that second half. God dang it, Dayton. 
some days it's as simple as he's Deron Holmes and you ain't. <laughs> and that's what Duquesne fought and tried their dangest. And they and they got it down to four points. And then Deron Holmes, you know, I think makes a dunk and makes a three in back-to-back possessions. And and not to get too far ahead of ourselves because we're not playing Dayton for a little while yet. Deron Holmes is going to pose a much tougher challenge than he has in previous years. Just saying something because he's a really good player. But VCU's got the best record against him by far. But you've got to step out. You have to step out with him all the way and risk him driving by you because you cannot give him the three. He's going to handle this ball, and he's shown the ability to handle the ball and run the offense. So Wall and Furman, you better – I think they can do it, but you better be ready to defend 30, 35 feet from the basket. And But the key is – you gotta, of course, you gotta be careful with the reach ins. If you reach in, because sometimes you'll get a foul call. See if you can knock that ball away once in a while. So, excellent job in the game thread, everybody. Thank you. Excellent job in the video, in spite of the fact that my phone is acting up as usual. VCU wins their two and two. Our next game is fr- is the first Friday ten of of the year. So we're off in the midweek. I am efforting. I am efforting a pod midweek to sort of take the VCU temperature, but I haven't had a response yet on that. So I'm going to keep efforting that. My plan is for us to have a pod in the middle of the week, but I have to see if somebody's actually going to respond and and give me an answer one way or the other. Um, We'll see about that, but that is the plan since we have, you know, since we have the six days off, I think it's, uh, I I think that's, that's the plan. But Friday, 10, our first one of the year against the Billikens. God only knows why they put that game on Friday night. I mean, who the heck knows? 7 o'clock, let's all cross our fingers and toes. I'll get off work on time so that we can do this so we, we can do this again, be live in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly group, which, again, if you're not a member, you should be. Uh, game threads, really good. VCU by the numbers in the midweek. I actually ended up doing it a day later than I said. Um, tales from the non-conference around the A-10. We check in on all those sports teams. We've got members that post about cross about our track and field athletes who are doing so well. You know, we, we'll always post about the women who are uh, – ooh, they are cooking now. They're up 17 at Loyola Chicago. They are doing a number on the doggone uh, Ramblers who at this point were not quite halfway through the third quarter. They got one field goal made. Unfortunately, VCU's starting to struggle from the foul line. They've had that problem the last couple of games. The VCU women, 3-1 and one in the conference, survived the comeback attempt by Fordham. They can win this game, and they're looking good to doing it so far. They'll be 4-1, and one, so they'll be right on the heels of those darned old spiders who they should have beat at the Robin Center and didn't uh, the other week. And uh, so we keep our eye on everybody. Uh, you know, that's what we do here. And and you know we'll have other features and stuff. Uh, we'll be we'll be we'll be doing you know a mid a mid a mid uh, mid conference report card on all our non conference opponents when we get to about halfway through the conference schedule. So you'll see that. Oh, beautiful play, VCU women by nineteen. Oh, this is wonderful. I love it. I love it. I love it. So that's what we do here. So that's why uh, the VCU good and the bad, the ugly group is the place to be. 
because we ain't just we aren't just fans of the basketball team or just fans of the baseball team or whatever. We're fans of all our VCU athletes and we keep our eye on all of them. So I want to thank you all very much again. Remember the PayPal and the link to it if you want to donate. We really appreciate your support and we'll talk to you all next time. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.